Welcome to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Alyssa Alsheimer, VP of Marketing at Wellframe. Alyssa, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about Wellframe. Absolutely. So Wellframe is a digital health management company. We work specifically with healthcare payers, so health insurers, on improving their member relationships. So we take things that are traditionally telephonic, traditionally kind of offline, and put them into an easy-to-use digital app so you can proactively manage your health and communicate with folks at your health plan. So really taking a lot of those friction points and those pain points and making them a lot easier. Okay. Very good. Very good. And also tell us about a memorable marketing moment that you've experienced either at Wellframe or any point in your career. There's a lot that that I could choose from. I'll choose one specifically from Wellframe, which is launching a campaign that we called our Health Plan Heroes campaign. Um, so very stylistically unique, looked a lot like a comic book character. We had capes, we had the whole the whole thing. And we rolled this out across a number of online and offline channels. We even had some swag that we gave away at events. We gave away capes that people could bring home to their kids from a conference. Um, so seeing videos of kids running around with well-framed capes, but also seeing a multi-channel campaign come together through billboards, through online advertising, through content that we created, and through trade show booths, and hearing directly from our audience how much this stood out Digital health in particular can be a sea of sameness, a sea of the same color blue. So for us, really having something that not only stood out, but told our audience that we look at them as heroes within this space was really motivating. And I think for our team, it was great to see that come together in an omni-channel way. You know, what I hear so much from the folks I talk to on this podcast is one of the biggest challenges is always just cutting through the noise you know, standing out. And when you can have a moment like that, especially direct feedback from your audience that, yeah, that one really did cut through. Yes. That's got to be a good feeling. It's a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, of course. So now another strategy I know that you guys have to, to cut through the noise, and this is something that bubbled up when we talked a week or so ago uh, to prepare for this interview, is the idea of creating proactive content versus reactive content. So first, just explain what that means. What is proactive content? So proactive content is really about understanding and taking in all of the signals in our space, but developing a long-term strategy where we are being thought leaders and we are working on content that we know will meet the future needs of our audience, not solely being reactive to say something we see in the news, something that's spiking on social media. It's really helps cut through the noise like we were talking about before. If you're reactive, you're just constantly waiting for the next thing to drop. If you're proactive, you're really leading that charge. So for us, taking a more proactive approach is also something that's really true to our brand. Wellframe helps people proactively manage their health. So from a marketing perspective, we should be able to deliver on that as well. Okay, that makes sense. So how do you do that? How do you get ahead of the curve to kind of know what's coming and then create content that's not just reacting? Sure. So we develop an annual plan for content that has key pillars every quarter that are key tenants of our brand that we want to communicate to our target audience. So it could be building a member relationship through better integrated customer service. We then look at that pillar and say, all right, we're going to create this one piece of cornerstone content that's then is going to be the nucleus of our campaign for the quarter. And off that, we'll have pieces of snackable content, social media, webinars, in-person events, 
whatever else we need to engage our audience across that time period. Um, so for us having that year long plan, obviously with some flexibility <laughs> built in, you always need to have that. But having that year, year long plan in place really helps us keep focused on what it is we want to be communicating in a proactive way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that makes sense. Planning ahead. Now, how do you know what those pillars need to be that you're going to build everything around? So we have done a ton of work on our brand over the past several years in terms of our value proposition, our mission, vision, values, and really where we want to go. A lot of this is about being cross-functional in the way that we communicate and gather information. So we are always talking to our sales team, product, engineering, all of these different departments in terms of what they're working on, what they're really excited about, and then layering in feedback that we're hearing from our leadership team and our customers to create a holistic brand vision. So it's something that we're taking a lot of inputs in, but it's all built upon a really strong brand foundation where we know those key tenants that we want to hit. And we're really creating a category. Digital health management isn't something that has a Gartner quadrant or anything associated with it. So we really need to be those leaders in the space. There's not really that guiding light. So in order for us to have a strong brand, we had to really build that on a strong mission, vision, value proposition. And then on top of that, we build our content strategy. Okay. Your mission and vision and purpose and so on are not static and, and they shouldn't be. So what's an example of how over the past year or maybe couple of years, based on your research internally and f feedback from customers, what's an example of how that stuff has evolved? I would say certainly in the way that we talk about things and the way that the general public kind of talks about healthcare and what it is people are looking to accomplish with their own health. So there are certain words that I actually think in healthcare are beginning to lose all meaning. Empower is one of those. Mm -hmm. um, so for the past couple of years, we are trying to do that. And I think that's really important to know that it's core that we are trying to empower health plans and trying to empower their members. But in terms of how we talk about ourselves publicly and within marketing, we need to make sure we're using terms that are more action oriented and actually mean something to people rather than something that's kind of become an industry buzzword. So when we look at our mission and vision, when we look at our content, we're always doing it through that critical eye of, does this sound like it could come from anyone else? If you put our competitor's name in front of this white paper, does it seem like it could come from them? And that health plan heroes example I talked about at the top is a great example of that. If that came out from anyone else in the industry, I think it would raise more eyebrows than it did from us. But we've kind of built ourselves up as that challenger brand, as that kind of brand that is advocating for health plans. So it didn't seem disingenuous to come from us. So when we think about the ways that we talk about things and the ways that we're evolving, taking a critical look at how we're talking about things as the industry evolves has been a really big piece of that. Okay. And I think that speaks to what we were talking about before, cutting through the noise, because if you're using a term that maybe at one point was kind of novel, and but then everyone kind of catches up to you or they notice like, oh, this resonates, we're going to use it too. At a certain point, it's, it's no longer going to be new, as you said. So it sounds like that's going to be a continual process. It's iterative. We are always paying attention to what other folks are doing, and we're not creating reactive content to it, but we're certainly taking a critical look at how we talk about ourselves. So we talk about ourselves in a way that makes sense to people, but isn't to the point where it's just buzzword bingo. Right, because people start to kind of tune that stuff out. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to build trust around language that comes across as salesy or kind of too marketing 
E. Yes. No, no one ever joined a webinar and said, I wish this was more of a sales pitch. So we definitely are very cognizant of that. Now to shift gears a little bit, I know that you guys also, one of your marketing strategies is to sponsor podcasts that speak to the audience you're uh, looking to get in front of. So how did you get into doing that and, and why? What kind of value do you get from sponsoring podcasts? Absolutely. So I've always been a big fan of digital audio. Even in my days on the agency side, I was always the person pitching digital audio as a channel because I think your audience is paying a lot more attention and they're a lot more captive than with many other types of media. You're not a banner ad competing for space on a website. You're not a TV ad when someone's got their second screen and they're not paying any attention during a commercial break. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity. From a well-framed perspective, we really had to balance whether or not creating our own podcast would be worth the additional effort that we would have to go through mm -hmm. in order to get people to listen to it. So if you think of a podcast, it's really a product in and of itself. So you need to run your own marketing campaigns or advertising campaigns to get people to listen to it. You have to worry about distribution, about content moderation. And from our perspective, it made a lot more sense for us to partner with some industry leaders, whether they be professional groups or trusted publications, sponsor those and use those as a way of getting the well-framed message across, but also help capitalize on some of their brand equity and the listenership that they're already bringing to the table. I've worked with companies like GM that have a tremendous amount of brand equity and can start their own podcast and are very much, if you build it, they will come. But for the majority of brands, you're going to have to do an awful lot of work to get people to that channel. And you have to ask yourself if that's worth the effort, and it very well could be, or if that effort is better spent working with your sales organization to get more leads or more meetings for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that is a good point, and that's very much true. So when you were looking for podcasts to partner with and sponsor, how did you, how did you end up choosing the ones that you chose? What were you looking for? So we were definitely looking for someone, obviously, that had proven expertise in the industry, people that had already had a track record of producing content, especially within healthcare. It's a really nuanced industry. You can't just go out and be a healthcare expert tomorrow. It's really challenging. Mm -hmm. um, so we were certainly looking for that. We also look to build media relationships that are cross-channel. So people that we're already working with on sponsored content, on social media, on an event um, so that we could cross-pollinate those efforts. What's really helpful if you're within someone's media ecosystem is if they see your brand on the website, they see the webinar you're sponsoring, and they see the podcast you're sponsoring, that's three touch points within one area. So that tends to me to have a bigger impact than if you're doing like a shotgun type approach and buying one type of media with every partner. So we're really looking for media partners that we can build deep relationships with. And for a number of them, digital audio was one of those options for, one, for some of the tactics that we could pursue. And how has that gone so far? What kind of ROI have you seen from sponsoring the podcast? It's fantastic. I think we've really seen a lot of traffic to some specific landing pages that we stood up for them. And that's been a huge part of the process. Digital audio, like any marketing channel, can be hard to measure. So we made sure to stand up specific microsites with specific URLs so we could understand who was coming to that website from which podcast episode. 
and then put conversion points that made sense for the episode on there. So if a speaker or an ad read was about a specific white paper, featuring that at the top. So it was really easy for someone to convert along the way. So we've seen a lot of really good success from them. Um, we've also been able to have some interviews on those podcasts and get our thought leaders out there, which is also fantastic because this is a rapidly changing space and our executives have a lot to say on a lot of the trends that are happening. What would be your advice for marketing teams that maybe want to start exploring the podcasting world and maybe just to do what you guys are doing, sponsoring podcasts, what would be the first step in that direction? So I think the first step would be looking at the different types of advertising that are available to you. You can do a programmatic buy today on a number of different podcasts. And if you're a SaaS company that has a really broad target audience, that could make sense. That's something that's rapidly scalable and you can buy through a number of programmatic ad networks. If not, I would definitely take a look at the leading podcasts in your industry and see what the opportunities are for sponsoring those. A lot of them offer direct buys. They may have really interesting sponsorship opportunities where you could get an interview or a host read as part of that. So I think it's always worth RFPing and having a couple of those conversations. I think it's a great way to step your toe in the water. If you're seeing that response where a lot of people are coming to a website, and again, can't stress enough, just stand up a microsite with a URL that's unique to the podcast so you know what you're getting. But if you see that you're getting a lot and people are really resonating with a digital audio presence, then absolutely you could explore making your own podcast, especially if you have people internally who want to get their voice out there. It's a great employee brand builder as well. And certainly something that after you've kind of explored the paid advertising and sponsorship side of things that you could prove to your team that it's a worthwhile investment. What would be your advice for marketing teams that want to get more into the kind of proactive content that we were talking about earlier? I would say know your brand inside and out, know your industry and where your brand sits within it. And by having that foundation of your brand, start to plan out the key things that you want to get across, whether it's quarterly, whether it's for a year, or maybe you only want to plan six months at a time, but understand what those key messages are that you want to get across. Build in some room for testing, build in some room for reactivity because stuff is really happening quickly nowadays. But by knowing your brand and understanding those key messages, you'll always have something to return to and document it. Have one document that you as a marketing team and maybe in partnership with sales or other groups you're working with in the organization that you're reviewing all the time. But we have a great source of truth. If someone asks us, hey, can we write a white paper on this or can we spin something up? Usually the answer is yes, but if it's not, I can say, hey, let's look at this source of truth and let's prioritize whether or not we need to stick with the plan. And more often than not, we're sticking with the plan because it's really based on the brand and where we want to go. Okay, great advice. So how can our listeners contact you if they have questions or just want to you know, get in touch? Absolutely. Probably the best place to find me is on Twitter, at Alyssa Alsh, A-L-S-H. But you can also find me on LinkedIn under Alyssa Alshimer. Okay, fantastic. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for your time, for a great conversation. I really had fun. I really enjoyed it. Same here. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. 
The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.